Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, guys, last week we started a new series called The Struggle for Joy. Pursuing godliness. And, and you know, I, when I talk to Christians, when I talk to people who've made that profession of faith, who committed their lives to follow Jesus Christ, what I find is, is that everybody has the desire to live the way that God wants them to live. I've yet to find someone that says, no, I'm really not interested. Yeah, I'm saved, but who cares? Nobody has that attitude. We want to do what God wants us to do. But the problem is, is that it's a struggle, and it gets frustrating, and, and, and we add to the problem of the frustration because we mess up, right? We, we go down paths we shouldn't go, and we wonder how God even sees us and everything. So it's, it's a really big struggle. And so we've been entering into this study of the book of Philippians, trying to understand the life that he wants us to live. And so we've been starting off here in the first chapter. We looked last week at the first part of Paul's prayer, and we saw some things that maybe were the, should be the groundwork in our life as far as how God sees us and our relationship with him. We're going to go now to the second part of the prayer and see what Paul prays for them. Because what we're going to see is, is as we look at this, there are some things that you need to be pursuing in your life as a Christian. There are some things that you need to be focusing on in your life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a problem, though, because if you're like me, you know, I've been a believer now for 29 years. Some of you have been a believer longer than that. Some of you have been in church all of your life. You've, you've heard so many different messages about what you should do, and there's confusion. There's confusion out there concerning the Christian life. And so that's the first thing I want to look at here is the issue of confusion. And i got two things I want to see here. Number one, when it comes to the Christian life, we operate in a state of confusion. When it comes to the Christian life, we operate in a state of confusion. And I'm going to be flat out honest with you, the biggest culprit to that, the biggest problem to that as far as you living in a state of confusion is pastors. And I can say that because I'm a pastor. Because here's what happens with pastors. We can have our hobby horse, our thing that we focus on the most, and make that the thing that you need to be striving for in your life. So, for instance, some of you in the past have had pastors where their whole focus was what? Evangelism. Telling people about Jesus Christ. And so when you heard messages from that pastor... The whole focus was evangelism. In fact, you began to realize that if you didn't share your faith or if you weren't leading one person to Jesus a day, you weren't doing well as a Christian. And so there you were, all over town, leaving tracks with your tip at the, the restaurant that you were at, or leaving tracks here and, and, and putting them in the bathroom at Walmart or whatever, and you're talking to everybody, and everybody says no to you. They don't really care. They don't want to hear Give them a break, and you're like, 
I must not be a good Christian because when I went to church, the pastor had a guy up there and he led 20 people to the Lord in one week. And so you're sitting there and you're confused. What am I doing wrong? Maybe you had a pastor and his whole focus was politics. And so every message was about the president or every message was about the governor or every message was about the local thing going on. And, and you're sitting there and you say, well, you know, I, I, can, I can see what some of the things he's saying, but I, I don't know that I necessarily agree with what my preacher's telling me. I need to believe concerning this issue. And even if you say, well, you know, I vote this way for this party in the election, you got people saying, well, how can you be a Christian if you vote for them? And you got confusion going on. Whether it's a social issue, whether you're against human trafficking or abortion or, or and, and so many different things. You can get confused about what it is to live the Christian life by just coming to church. Am I right? Does everybody agree with me? Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? So when it, when, we, when it comes to the Christian life, we operate in a state of confusion. Here's, here's my, here's my, I forgot two others. There, there's, the, there's the one message that you hear where if you're going to the wrong restaurant, you're in trouble. And then the other message is, if you're not doing anything and everything, you're in trouble. That's legalism versus license. And all of that brings confusion. Now, here's what I want you to see. The second point is, is that confusion leads to spiritual defeat. Confusion concerning how you need to live your life for Jesus and what he wants you to do in living your life for Jesus brings nothing but spiritual defeat in your life. Do you understand me? Because in every one of the instances that I told you, whether it's a politics or some issue or whether it's evangelism or whether it's, it's legalism or whether it's license, the fact of the matter is, is none of you are going to be perfect. Did you understand what I'm saying? None of you are going to do it just right. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, with evangelism, most people are going to tell you no. Did you hear me? Some of you need to break free from the chains of the past. Most people will tell you they don't care. Leave them alone. And that has nothing to do with your Christian walk. That's just life. But the problem is, is that the confusion leads to spiritual defeat. So you say, okay, George... All right, well, man, I'm glad you cleared that up. So, but I'm still, I'm sitting here saying I want to live my life, but you just blew away all those things. So how do we live our life for Jesus then? What should we be focusing on? Well, I'll be honest with you. The other stuff I mentioned to you, that's easy. Brings defeat, but that's easy. The things that Paul's going to pray for, actually, for their lives and for our lives, that we need to be focusing on, these things I'm going to mention to you are actually hard. And when I go through them, you'll see why. So let's look here, real quick, verses 9 through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, and that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. All right, I'm going to give you five things here 
that we need to be focusing on. Number one, here's what happens. Verse 9, here's what he's saying. Here's what you and I need to be focusing on in our life. It isn't all that other stuff. That other stuff, what it, it brings confusion. Here's what we need to do. Number one, our lives need to overflow with love. Your life needs to overflow with love. That's what the word there, when he says that it may abound still more and more, the word there can actually be translated overflow. You need to have overflowing out of your life love for others, for God. Do you know what I'm saying? When we talk about this, I'm not just saying that you just need to be kind of sappy now, like, ooh, I love everybody. No, no, you need to have in your life a genuine love for your God and for other people. That needs to happen in your life. In fact, I'm just going to be honest with you. When you look at somebody and they say that they're mature and that they know Jesus and that they're all spiritual and everything, but then they're mean and belligerent to other people, I'm going to tell you right now, they are not mature. They are not growing. Because if you're growing closer to Jesus, what's going to flow out of your life is what? Love. Love. You and I need to be striving in our lives focused on being loving. Now, didn't I tell you that was going to be hard? Didn't I? Because, I mean, it's easy to say evangelism. You say, I'd rather go and go and share about Jesus with people I don't even know than love that person. That's what I'm talking about. What God wants us to focus on are actually difficult issues in our life. And the one thing he calls us to here is that we be loving, that we love. Now, he qualifies that, though. Look at what he says there, verse 9. He says that your love may abound still more and more. And then notice how he qualifies it. In knowledge and all discernment. What's he saying here? Our love must be guided by knowledge and discernment. Knowledge and discernment. If I'm going to love, if I'm going to be a loving person, that's great, but you gotta have your love bound by something. It's gotta be, it's gotta be directed by something. It's gotta be directed by knowledge. Now what I mean by knowledge here, the Greek word does not mean the knowledge of facts. What it means is an experiential knowledge. And ultimately it's an experiential knowledge of God. If you're gonna love someone, it needs to be guided by, grounded by, Surrounded by a knowledge of what? God. As you know him and as he's showing himself to you. And the other thing is is that you need to have a love that's guided by what? Discernment. Because here's the thing. You and I can love, but our love may actually be a detriment. Did you hear me? You and I can love someone and care for someone... But our expressions of love can actually be a hindrance to them. In fact, one, one scholar said this, love that is simply sentimental or emotional can actually be devastating. See, our first response, especially when it comes to family or friends and, and, and our actions toward them, we, we all, yeah, we love them, but sometimes it can be emotional love or sentimental love. 
But if it's not bound by knowledge, a knowledge of what God wants and what should be, and it's not bound by discernment, you can actually do people harm. See, you and I are to abound in love towards other people. God calls us to that. Love. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, the greatest commandment that was given is to love the Lord God with all thy heart, soul, and strength. The second is to what? Love thy neighbor as yourself. Jesus reiterated that commandment when he told us to love. In fact, he even said this, By this shall they know that you are my disciples, by your what? Love for one another. Now, it's not a love that's unrestrained. It's not a love that's emotional. It's not a love that's sentimental. It's a love that is what? Guided by knowledge and discernment. I think we got to consider that. Here's the other thing he tells us we need to focus on. Look at what he says there, verse 10, and that you may approve the things that are excellent. What's he talking about here? Our lives must be marked by discernment concerning what's right. You and I must be marked by discernment concerning what is right in our lives. You know, if you just go with the flow, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to have somebody who's going to influence you to do what? Wrong. But you need to live your life differently. He's praying that you and I would live our lives in such a way that we're able to approve, that is, we're able to discern what is excellent or what is right, so that we know what is right and what's not right. I'll be honest with you, I'm often, I'm often distressed as pastor when I talk to people who say they know Jesus, and they don't even know what's right and wrong anymore. They just kind of go with the flow. We say, that's not very loving of you to say that. No, but it's discerning. The reality is, is you and I need to, again, know what's right and wrong. And we need to pray for that. And here's how important that is today. We live in a culture anymore where that's totally turned upside down, isn't it? Where most people in a poll said, it's okay to cheat on your taxes or to rob from your boss. It's okay to lie about those things. That's the culture we live in. But you've got to be different. If you're going to live for Christ, you've got to have love that abounds in knowledge and discernment, but you also got to know the difference between what? Right and wrong and live out of that. Live out of that. Here's the other thing. Our lives must be marked by what? Sincerity and integrity as we wait for Jesus. Look at what he says there. Verse 10, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. You know, we, we call ourselves a church of real people where anyone can come and find Jesus Christ and learn to walk in obedience. And one of the things we like to say here is you don't have to put on airs. There's a reason why we say that. You don't have to pretend to be something. You can just be yourself. You got some issues? That's fine. We understand. We've got issues here. We want you to be what? Real. We'll help you through them. Why do we say that? This verse right here. Because what the Bible calls you to is not hypocrisy. The Bible is not interested in, the New Testament is not interested in, God is not interested in you being hypocritical. But what it is interested in is is you being sincere. 
about your faith and your walk, even if you struggle. It's being honest. And then it says to be blameless or without reproach. Now, what does that mean, George? Because you just used that big word, blameless, and I know I'm not blameless. Well, let me explain to you. There's two words that are used for blameless in the New Testament. One word means without any problem. It means to be spotless. It means to be clean. It means to be perfect. That word is only used of Jesus. The other word, when it talks about believers, it means that no one can hold a finger of offense against you and it stick. Do you know what I mean by that? No one can lay charge to you and say, well, you know, there's so-and-so, he's a schmuck, and this is why, and that accusation stick against you. It means to be blameless, above reproach with regards to the rest of humanity. It doesn't mean to be perfect. There's only one who's perfect. Who's that? Jesus. So here's what he's praying for you and I. And I think this is great because this is what we need to be striving for. We need to be striving for that we are marked by sincerity in our lives. We're not hypocritical. And that we are marked by integrity. That's what it means to be above reproach. That we are people of what? Integrity and how we deal with each other. And no one, if someone could say something, like I've had this happen just here in the last couple of years, someone made an accusation against somebody I know. And I said, you know what? I understand what you're saying, but that is not the person I know. I've known them for 13 years, and I've never known them ever to do something like that. That's called integrity. When I can look at a person's life and say to that person, I don't, know, I don't know whatever happened with you there, but that's not normal. Because I've watched them. And this is normal. This behavior is normal. See, that's integrity. Do you, do you understand what the word integrity means? Integrity means wholeness. That's what the word means. And isn't that something we need to be striving for? I mean, think about Think about I'm, Didn't I just say these were going to be difficult? Starts off, number one, that your love may abound more and more. That it overflows, that I would be overflowing with love. But not just sentimental, emotional love, but overflowing with love that is what? Discerning and based on the knowledge of what God wants. Okay, so I got that. Then I'm, I'm, I'm going to have a life that is what? Marked by a discernment concerning what's right and wrong. And then I'm also going to be asking that my life be marked by what? Sincerity and integrity as we wait for Jesus. So we're talking about a lifetime here. Wow. That's what we should be focusing on. That's what we should be focusing on. But there's one more thing he tells us here, and I think this is where we need to grasp right here. Our lives must be marked by the fruit of the Spirit. Our lives must be marked by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's that, George? Well, when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit enters into your life. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. He takes up residence in your life. And the Holy Spirit is working in your life, in your life as a believer, and he's going to produce certain things from your life, which the Bible calls fruit. Now, what is that fruit? Well, if we go over to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, the Apostle Paul tells us in that letter what that fruit is. Listen to what he says here. But the fruit of the Spirit, look at what it says, love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, 
What does that have? What's, what is long-suffering? Well, that, that's patience, endurance under problems that happen around you. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such, there is no law. So what's he talking about here? That he's praying that your life would be marked by these fruits, that the Holy Spirit would produce these fruits in your life. Let me go through them again. This is what you, you say, well, man, what should I be striving for in my life? I want to live my life for Jesus. What should be happening? Your life begins to exhibit these things. Look at what it says. Love. We've already been praying for that anyhow, right? And that's difficult, but it's a work of the Holy Spirit. Here's the other one. Joy. Isn't that what we're struggling for? Joy? He produces it in our life. Look what else there. Peace. How many of us want peace? How many of us want it? We struggle for it, right? Don't we? We try to, we, we, we look for comfort in things so that we can have what? Peace. Do you know what I mean? But we can never find it. He's the one who produces it. Let's go. Long suffering. What is that? Endurance under the problems that happen. And believe me, problems happen, don't they? If you're living life, you got stuff that's happening. Here's what else. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. All of those are what the Holy Spirit produces in your life. So here's what he's asking for. This is where our focus is. Lord, help me to have a life that is marked by what? These things. So think about it. We've got all this confusion out there. As far as what the Christian life is, but when we look at what the Bible says, when we look at what the New Testament says, it doesn't talk about all that other stuff, does it? It's talking about me and who I am as a what? Person. That I'm a loving person, overflowing with love, that's, that's guided by knowledge and discernment. That I'm able to discern between what's right and what's wrong. I'm able to approve what is good and excellent. And that I, that I am marked by sincerity and, and integrity as I live my life out waiting for when Jesus Christ comes back. And that I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to produce in me these fruits of character. That's tough, isn't it? But let me just say this to you. What if we put all that other stuff, all that confusion away, if we just kind of rejected all of it? And just decided to focus on these areas. What if you decided, you know what? It's not how many people I talked to this week about Jesus. It's not what restaurant I'm avoiding. It's not who I vote for. It's about becoming who you want me to be, Jesus. That's where my focus is going to be. How different would we be? Think about it. How different would you be if these things were evident in your life? Would you be different? You better believe it, you'd be different. That's what he's calling us to. So, okay, let's wrap this up. i got two questions for you and an action point. When you think of the Christian life, about your Christian life, when you think about your Christian life, are you confused? Because you heard one guy and he said do this, and you heard another guy and he said do this, and now, George, you're saying to do this. Are you confused? I'll tell you what, I'm confused sometimes. I'll tell you what got me out of my confusion. 
I started to read the Bible and looked at what the Bible said my focus should be, not what some guy said I should be. You know what I'm saying? You start reading the Bible. You start being informed by the Bible for yourself. And here's what will happen. I almost guarantee you because it happened to me. You'll be reading along and you'll have this aha moment. Aha! And you'll realize that guy was wrong. That guy led me down a wrong path. That was his opinion or his issue or his thinking. It's actually telling me something different here. And let me tell you, do what it's telling you. So are you confused? Here's, here's the other one. Has that confusion led to spiritual defeat in your life? Has that confusion led to spiritual defeat in your life? You know what? I've been pastoring a long time now. It's been 20, almost 21 years ago that I was ordained. And as I interact with people and as I, as I talk with them and as I counsel with people, you, you will not believe I continue to this day to meet people who are struggling with defeat in their lives because they could not keep up with what some church told them to do 20 years ago. And they live in a constant state of defeat. And, and I'm trying to blow up dynamite around them to wake them up out of a trance. And it's not working. Because they're in bondage to a confused state of what the Christian life is. And that's not it. And so they're defeated. So are you here today and you're defeated because of the confusion in your life? Are you? God didn't intend for you to be confused, folks. He intended for you to have life and to what Jesus said? To have it more abundantly. And we're all longing for that, right? So let us be what? Let us be guided by what the Scripture. Instead of what some man said. In fact, let me just go ahead and say this to you. You say, oh, I'm not sure about what you just said, George. That's fine. It's okay. You test what I said, but here's what you tested with. This. Not what your grandmama said. Because your grandmama maybe was wrong. You say, well, my grandmama was never wrong. Ask your granddaddy. Okay? We're confused. We're confused. Let's not longer be confused. Let the Scripture guide us. And it's talking about the type of person we need to be. So here's what we got to do. Here's your action point. Ask the Spirit to help you to focus on true spiritual growth. Remember I told you, the things that we talked about, the love, joy, peace, self-control, long-suffering, those are all products of who in your life? The Holy Spirit. So doesn't it make sense that I would begin to ask the Holy Spirit to what? Help me to produce those things in my life? Help me to be more loving? Help me to be more loving with a love that is guided by what? Knowledge of Him 
and discernment. Help me to know what is right and wrong. You better believe me, the Holy Spirit will tell you, will tell you if it's right or wrong. And help you to live a life of what? Sincerity and integrity? It's gotta begin there. It's gotta begin with the Holy Spirit, what? Guiding you. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.